Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 12 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week my guests are the authors of The Drive Home, this lovely book here, Mark and Britt McKinney, who are the parents of a golf player and a cheerleader. But you will hear their story of parenting those children through their chosen sports, their chosen passions, has so much overlap with what all of us are going through as tennis parents. And I am very excited for you to get to hear their story and learn about how they have managed the challenges of having children who are pursuing an activity at a high level have high goals for themselves and um, are on that that elite developmental pathway that so many of your children are on with tennis. If you are a coach watching this, I want to encourage you to take a look at this book as well and maybe consider buying in bulk from the McKinney's um, as a gift for the parents of the kids that you work with because it is full of great advice and I promise you will make your job so much easier. Before I bring Mark and Britt on, however, if you are not a premium member of Parenting Aces yet, we sure would love to have you. Just go to parentingaces.com, click on the join button, and you have some options available that will give you full access to all of our content, free shipping on our merchandise, early access to events, and discounts on a variety of products and services. So be sure and check that out. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Mark and Britt McKinney. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. McKinney's, it is so lovely to meet y'all. I feel like I know you more than you know me, having read your (laughs) book, which I'm going to just hold up for everybody to see, The Drive Home. We will have a link to your book in the show notes on parentingaces.com. But welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Hey, we're excited to be here. And you need to write your own book, right? So we can learn about you. So it'll be a a quid pro quo. Yeah. I don't think that's in my future, but hey, you know, never say never. Um, yeah, and, and my audience, you know, knows way more than they need to. But um, I, I'm really excited to chat with y'all because while you don't come from the tennis world, you do come from the youth sports world and the youth sports parenting world as the parents to golfer, one golfer or two golfers. Do both your kids play? Just your son plays. And, but you have a daughter as well. And so this is kind of another piece of the sports parent conundrum, right? Is you have one kid who's pursuing a passion that heads this way. And you have another kid who's pursuing a different passion that heads that way. And how do you divvy up your time? And how do you divvy up your resources to best accommodate both of them, all the while keeping your family together as a unit and building support for one another and all of these challenges that are inherent in being a parent of children who have passions that they want to pursue at a high level. 
So for us, our children are four, almost five years apart. So it really worked out well that, um, you know, Katie Brick cheered. So she did competition cheerleading. So that was, you know, something that we had to take her to. And um, But in the meantime, Mark could go with Ben. You know, I've always said we only wanted, I only wanted two children. So we could play man-to-man basketball world, man-to-man instead of zone defense. You know, you got to have somebody with them. And so um, that we were lucky because of the age difference that it didn't conflict. We had very few times that we had to cross over and, and do that. But um, it's just, it's just um, you know, you, you commit to it. You see your child light up. And so you just do whatever you need to do to, to get them where they need to be. For sure. And Mark, was there ever an issue um, having the two kids in two different pursuits of making sure that Ben supported, sorry, your daughter's Katie, name again, Katie. Katie Britt. So Katie that, Britt yeah. Okay. That Ben supported Katie Britt in her cheerleading and that Katie Britt pursued or supported Ben in his golf and making sure that they, they cheer led for each other. Yeah. I'd, I'd say we, we, we were doubly blessed and, and lucky or whatever word you want to use for it. And that our kids actually have gotten along. Like when they were, when they were younger, younger, um, you know, they had the, the completely normal, right. You know, hair pulling and that sort of thing. But as they got older, they really, for, for good, bad or indifferent became best friends. Um, and so there was never anything we really had to say, like, you need to go, you know, support you. Like they felt like that's what they were supposed to do. Um, and that comes a lot from, you know, from Brit, you know, being their mom. But um, there's I would say there's um, there's no place they would rather be if they're not if they're not pursuing their own thing than with the other. So, um, you know, we just we just went through state playoffs and um, uh, Katie Britt's out in the real world now with a real job. And and she used her PTO um, to go and, and support men on the golf course. So no place that she would rather be. So um but I, I do think that's that's an issue. We do see we do see parents that have three kids, and we our, our preacher's actually got five, and he's got it, his assistant keeps up with the calendar, right? Like I can because he can't be at all of them, and and, right. and he looks at us and he's like, I'm jealous to a degree that you guys get to go to everything. But I think it's about being intentional about, and, and, and even if you do sort of you know kind of have to, to split the game. But yeah, our our kids our kids love supporting each other, which could be a rarity. Uh, we could you know, we could be you know, sort of lucky there. Well, I lucky, yes, but also you've set the tone for the family ethos and and what the expectations are. And, um, you know, so I I, yes, luck, but also intentionality, I think Um, I, I your book is called The Drive Home. There is a lot of chatter in the sports parenting world, not just the tennis world or the golf world or the cheerleading world about those moments immediately following a competition, whether it went well or it went poorly in terms of the actual win or loss versus the the developmental process type gauge of success and having that conversation in the car ride home, which is always so sticky. Um, And and one of the things that really jumps out at me from your book was the fact that you two come at it from very different perspectives. And Mm -hmm. I'd love for you each to share what your focus is and how y'all kind of found each of you your place in terms of having these conversations with your kids. And Britt, I'm going to start with you. Oh, good. I get to tell myself. Yeah. Um, So... I feel like you, as a as parents, you both can't go at them at the same time because they, they've got to have they've got to have somebody that they feel like supporting them. And so if you are both blessing them out or both blessing them out, then they just, you know, they don't they don't have they've got to have somebody they can talk to. So if Mark's the one doing the blessing out, then I'm the nurturer and I'm it's okay, don't worry about it. Um but on this particular drive home. Ben had not had a good day. He wasn't playing well. And I could see it all over Mark. And I mean, I did. I say it in the book. I wanted to run over him with the golf cart because he was acting like he was three years old, stomping up the golf cart path, you know, just acting like he didn't have any sense. And I I, I said, go get in the car. If you're going to be like this, go get in the car because he's watching you. Every kid out here watches their parent as soon as they hit a bad shot. 
It's the same thing in any sport. As soon as you do something, make an error, you look at your parent. And so if you're looking like, why'd you do that? Then that just deflates them even more than they're already deflated. So we were in the, on the way home. Mark would not speak a word, did not say anything at all. Driving up 85, and he's got his hands clenched to the steering wheel. I mean, I can see it. And and Katie Britton Dan were in the back seat, and I, I I had to break it. I had to break the silence, and mine is humor. And so I just said, you know what? You're going to remember this day that your daddy is driving 95 miles per hour down 85, and he's going to kill us because he's upset over a game. <laughs> and so anyway, they started laughing. I started laughing. He didn't talk to us. Like, he, we'd been to eat out at a restaurant. He still didn't talk. Only thing he said was what he wanted to eat. I mean, he was that mad. And I said, you got you to gotta simmer down. Like, this is ridiculous. He doesn't mean to play bad, but he did. So just move on, you know. So anyway, that's my side of the story. Now, his is totally different. Totally different. Yes, Your, your Honor. So, um, <laughs> yeah. But that what that was, I would say, kind of a, a seminal moment moment for us because I I, I did I, I I didn't know how to explain exactly what I was feeling that day, and I guarantee you a lot of the parents listening don't know how to describe that emotion when you want it so bad for your child. This is a big tournament, and we're in day two, and things went south, and then they went souther, right? Um, in a hurry, and and I don't know if it was it wasn't a point of anger, right? It was it, I think it was more disappointment for him and what he wasn't going to accomplish. But what I found out later is it was sort of a little bit of living vicariously through him. So in, in in part, like what I was not going to accomplish, what I was not going to be able to share at the at the water cooler, right? Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the story is accurate. And that's where the title of the book came, came, uh, came from. But um, it's it, what we've, what, what that taught us though. Um, and there's, there's several people that give advice in the book talking about um, they've implemented like the 24 hour rule. It says, hey, for 24 hours after a competition, you can't talk about unless the unless the athlete wants to don't talk about stuff because I would I could not wait to get in the car after rounds and be like, hey, on number three, we hit so and so number 10. We did this. Why are we thinking that? And that's because I was wanting to fix it. I'm the dad and I wanted to I wanted to solve it. Um, but to your point, like there is there is a cadence. There is a dance to how we get in the car now and the things that Britt says is the nurturer. Um, and the things I say, and we, we, we let him talk now, um, uh, which is, which is incredible. But I think one of the most, one of the most um, poignant pieces of information we got is we started doing research for the book because um, originally that we were going to title it, I love to watch you play based on this research. But so Bruce Brown um, at, at Proactive Coaching um, LLC, you can go, you can go Google it. And they, they uh, interviewed thousands of kids who, who, who were playing sports at the collegiate level. Right. And um mm-hmm. And they ask them, you know, questions like, hey, what was the best part of your youth athlete experience? What was the worst part? And almost to a person, the kid said, hey, the worst part was the car ride home. Yep. Exactly what you're talking about. And the best part is when a parent simply said, I'd love to watch you play. And so as as part of this project, that that became Britt's mantra, right? So, you know, she without a doubt, during, you know, after the round, after every round, she's going to tell Ben, you know, she she loves to watch him play. And I, and I started doing that, too. And it changed our it changed our focus. And I would say the, I'm a talker, but the last piece on it is um, something that really changed our world. And, and a, a mutual friend of ours, Tammy Matheny shared it. This goes for tennis or basketball or playing the cello or whatever, right? Um, Tammy, who's a confidence coach, she said, hey, ask your, ask your children three questions. What do they need from you before the, the activity? What do they need from you during the activity? What do they need from you after the, after the activity? And that'll tell you exactly what you need to know about, you know, the car ride home. Like, hey, don't talk to me or let's talk about it if I want to. So, again, I would say that's if, if nobody hears anything else, take those take those three questions and, and ask your child, get them to text it to you because it is 2023 or Snapchat it or Instagram it or whatever. Right. What do you need before, during and after? And we asked Ben that question as a senior. And it was one of the best conversations we've had when he just opened up. So, again, mm-hmm. long answer to a short question. But, yeah. Well, and and to that point, it's you have to ask the questions, but you have to continue to ask the questions, right? Yes. I mean, yes. you asked him for the first time his senior year, but mm-hmm. imagine if you had asked him those questions the first time when he was eight and exactly. how his answer would be different once yeah. he turned 12 and yeah. once he turned 14, you know, yeah. and and I think it's really important to start the conversation. But yep. but don't just have it once. Have it, yes. you know, yep. 
calendar it, have it every three months or every six yeah. months or, you know, whatever is right for your family. Um, but keeping those lines of communication open so that we as the parent are giving our children what they tell us they need. And I think you're really smart to have done it through text because now you have it. Yeah. So if you do something that he said, this is what I need, and you give him that, and he gets mad, you can say, um, hello, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> here's the text. Exactly. You know, do exactly. we need to have this conversation again? Do, do I need to change what I'm doing? If so, that's fine. But, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. doing exactly what you asked me to do. Yeah. So. Um, and, I, and I think to that point, like, uh, what we didn't realize is he never had an outlet. Like we, like we're an open family. We talk about everything. Um, but, but sports wise, I don't think he ever felt like he had an outlet to the point that he had a really bad day, um, at a tournament, like really bad day. And, um, and, and Britt was, had got beside him when they were getting their snacks or whatever. And he said, Hey, um, she said something with the words. And, and, uh, he said, I don't, I don't think you, I don't think y'all love me when I play bad. <gasps> And look, right. And know what he said. Yeah. Knife um, to the heart. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, but oh, he didn't have he, ne- he didn't have that out and talk about before, during and after the round kind of thing. What do you need from me kind of thing? And so that was, another, again, a spark for a conversation. But we as parents had always thought like, hey, well, all we need to do is buy the stuff, make sure he's at practice, make sure he's, you know, get all this stuff. And then we we for so many years we missed the whole communication part. And I, man, I wish we could go back because we, we just played our last ever high school, you know, golf match. Um, and it's over. And, but so that's part of why we did the book is like all the screw ups we had. We want to, we're, we're trying to intervene. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, same with parenting aces and I'm, I'm very open and honest about all the errors that I made along the way. And, you know, we, as you, we were talking before we started recording, I mean, we all are doing what we do because we love our children and we want to see yeah. them succeed and we want them to be happy and we want them to find their passion and their joy in life. And we are human. And so we are going to mess up from time to time. And sometimes yeah. the errors are teeny weeny and can be quickly resolved. And sometimes they're massive and take a lot of energy and time to resolve. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think, making sure. And, and I mean, wow, for him to say to y'all, you know, I don't feel like you love me when I play poorly. Um, even though I'm sure you tell him all the time that you love him. Um, you know, it's, it's that wake up call of, okay, something's not translating here. Uh, let's find a better way to have this conversation so that the meaning is really getting through and sinking in and, um, it, and what's so interesting, you know, honestly is, okay, y'all are in the golf world. Y'all are in the cheerleading world. I'm in yeah. the tennis world. Most of my audience is in the tennis world and maybe they have kids doing other things as well. Yeah. We're all facing the same challenges, parenting yeah. these kids. And we all, again, just want what's best for them, want them to find their joy in life and we're going to mess up. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> You know, let's just start there. Let's just yeah. admit it. We're yeah. going to mess up. We got to give the therapist something to talk to them about when they get right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so another piece that, that you'll talk about in the book, and and Britt, I love this, is um, you say that you're the nurturer. You're the one, you know, concerned that he hasn't had enough to eat or is he getting enough sleep? Or And then, Mark, you're the one that, you know, did you get to practice on time? Did you warm up? Yeah. Did you, yeah. yeah. Did, are you doing what your coach said? And, yeah. and more of the, the X's and O's, whereas Britt, you're mm-hmm. more of the emotional side and the, the feeding the soul piece of this. How did y'all come to fall into those roles? And was it something you discussed or is it something that just, it's your personalities and that's how the, the cookies crumbled I think it just, excuse me, I think it just happened that way. Um, I've, Mark, excuse me, Mark traveled when the children were young. And so I was always the one that kind of, we got to do this, we got to do this, we got to do this. This is where we're going. This is how we're doing it. Um, I had the conversations at night about how was your day at school? Were you nice? Was everybody nice to you? You know, all that kind of thing. I just, I mean, I just think that was my role. and, And so that's what I, I continue to do to try to make them happy. Like, how am I going to do? What am I going to do the next day to make them happy? And so that just kind of, you know, went along. And then 
I mean, as far as golf goes, I took golf for one semester in college and that's it. You know, I mean, I've got golf clubs and I've played before, but, you know, I can't teach him anything. I can't right. teach him a thing. So um, I feel like it just kind of, that's that's how the card spells, that I was going to be the one who, you know, I couldn't talk to him about anything else. I mean, I honestly, why would he want to talk to me about his swing or his putt or whatever? I can't do it. I couldn't fix mm-hmm. that. But I can get him something to eat and make sure he has what he needs. And he looks cute in the outfit. You know, is this outfit okay to wear? And that kind of thing. It's important. <laughs> it's important. Yeah. Is the shirt comfortable and not itchy and scratchy and stick to you and that kind of thing? Because yeah. they matter. They absolutely do. They absolutely do. And, and Mark, are you good with playing the role of the X's and O's guy? Um, I, I think, yeah, absolutely. Um, because it's, again, and I think we, it, in this particular particular instance, it's like golf related. And so I, I never, you know, I played in high school and I never threatened playing in college to any acclaim. I, you know, I had some moments as all golfers do. I had my moments, but um, he, he, when, when Ben was like 12 and 13, he passed me in, in ability, right? Like quickly. And I still have a, I still haven't caught up. Um, but I have, I have such a passion for the game of golf and being around the game of golf. I can, I can drink it and eat it and, and soak it in kind of thing. So just watching him grow and develop and then, and then getting to, to watch instructors and and then coaches and, and things like that. I'm I'm an engineer by degree, so I kind of like the I like watching the, the input this and this is the output over here, kind of the process stuff. So I'm, I'm more of a process kind of guy. And Britt's heart is you know Britt's heart's this big just as a nurturer. But but I will say when when uh, Katie Britt started playing tennis in high school, like I was like. Uh, I don't know. And so we, we, we reversed a bit. Right. And when, and when Ben played basketball in high school, we were reversed back. Right. Cause I played basketball in high school again, not that I went the good, I just sort of understood some things about the game. So I think it's, we just, we, we, it's, we sort of defer to the expertise. Like um, not that I'm an expert, but like I know more about golf just because I play golf. She knew more about tennis. Um, we're planning a wedding too. And, and as all good husbands do, like I'm hands off, right. I'm out of that. Smart um, man. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do y'all feel like have been the biggest challenges parenting elite athletes? And um, how have you as a couple navigated those challenges to make sure that the two of you stay nice to each other and um, that you you know, continue to nurture that relationship, that parent-child relationship, but also the husband-wife relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so my ultimate goal, I'm I'm thrilled with how Ben plays golf. I think it's great, even on good days and bad days. I'll tell quick, you know, he told me one day when he was playing terrible and he thought he was supposed to be 100. He said, just go home. I don't even want you to watch me on days like this. And I said, I'm going to be here whether you shoot 69 or 169. Don't worry about that. Like, you can move on and go to the next shot because I'm going to say right here by you. I'm, I'm here for you. Um, and so I want his character to be something that's recognized before anything else and how he acts and how he responds to people. And golf etiquette is different than other sports. Um, tennis is similar. You don't clap when somebody makes a bad shot. Right. I mean, you know, you just you don't do things like that when they make an error. Um, and golf is that way. You don't clap when there's a bad shot and, and you know you try to it's an encouraging and you know my favorite part of golf is on the 18th green when they take their hats off and shake hands and it's just a gentleman's sport but women you know women play it too but it just it's just I want his character to be there and so the way he acts on the golf course is very important and so I'm a micromanager of that um he knows when he hears my throat um go <clears throat> settle down um, he knows if I snap my fingers that, you know, get back on track, like get your mind reset in the way you act. I don't care about the golf shot, but we played with kids that purse, throw clubs, bless their parents out. I mean, you know, like things like that are just, I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, really? You're, you're, you're doing this? But, you know, it's, it's that way with every sport, every mm-hmm. parent parents differently. and. You know, we all love our kids the same just because somebody treats their kid differently than I do. I know that parent loves that child, but 
you know, I, I want people to look at my kid and say, man, he had a rough day. But you know what? You would never know it because his attitude, he's still got manners. He's still smiling. He's still having a good time. Those are the days where I feel like, okay, we got this right mm-hmm. um, because of the way he acts. But boy, has it been my thumb on top of him. Tell, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with golf at all. It's just staying on them and not letting them get out of control. And I mean, have there been days where you haven't been able to rein that in with your throat clearing or your snapping? And I, not for me, like, I don't think it has for me. Um, he's never thrown the club. It That's good. He's going to cuss when I can't hear him. Um, one kid was, it was terrible. Amount. His mouth was toilet mouth. And um, he said, Mom, come here. Like, he, I, I thought he needed a drink because that's really the only time they can talk to you because you can't talk to him in a match. And he came over there and I was getting, you know, something out of the cooler. And he said, If I ever talked to you like that, you would um, punch me in the teeth or punch me in the mouth or something. And I was like, You're exactly right. Get back out there and don't listen to what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but not, it's, um, there's been days that it's been like, you know, and we bought in every sport, right? And we do, and I do that. So it's interesting is, we try to tell him like, Hey, it's going to be okay. Like for the next five hours, even though it sucks, right. It's going to be mm-hmm. okay. Right. You're going to, and, and, and we're like, Hey, just, you know, shut up and keep going. But some days are just, some days are just awful just right. weather and it's playing bad and all that stuff. And some days are just bad. And if we look at ourselves, some days at work are just like that. Right. And so I, I a lot of, I kind of look in the mirror a lot of the times, but um, so I think some days like it's, it's, it just, it gets bad and stays bad. But what we've seen, we've watched him mature and his teammates mature and kids we play with mature um, from the time they were eight to the time how they 18 and 19, how they react to stuff now. Mm-hmm. It used to be that, you know, a bad hole or a bad moment would ruin the next four hours. And now it's like it's in that moment. Um, and I think to to your question earlier, the thing that that we learned the most as parents is in the beginning um, nobody likes to see their kids struggle, right? So, so we looked at adversity as this thing that as parents, like, hey, we need, whether you call it lawnmower, whether you call it whatever, right? As parents, we need to try to remove all the adversity out of his path. And, and, and that put a lot of pressure on us and it caused a lot of arguments with us because I wanted to solve it like this. She's like, let's solve it like this. And let's, let's call and get mad at somebody or let's, so and so, we didn't get in a tournament. Who are we going to, who are we going to yell at kind of thing? But the more we learn through this process and the more people we talk to as, as part of research in this book is we learned how necessary adversity is, right? Mm-hmm. Adversity is, is one of the absolute best teachers in, it, in, in, in youth sports, whether it's tennis or golf or, or curling, right? Um, those moments prepare us to be adults. It prepare, they prepare us to be, to be people. Um, and and one, of the, one, of the, one of the best visuals i think that that we we came across in the book and i won't share the whole story but um guy you know guy finds a guy finds a cocoon um and with a you know caterpillar inside of it or whatever and the guy's like and he's and he sees the caterpillar wriggling um so he goes and he says let me help this so he picks the picks the cocoon apart and out comes this um ill-formed sort of butterfly it's part caterpillar part butterfly and it can't fly and it's 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 weirdly shaped and it never flies and and the moral of the story is like that that caterpillar needed that adversity. It needed to push against that cocoon to form itself. And by coming along and you know, along more parenting right, it you know it it uh it sort of was a deficit to the to the butterfly in the end. So that that story sticks with me because yeah. so I think once we learned that, once we learned adversity as a teacher, it became easier for us to sit back and watch right and watch a bad round happen because we knew we knew we know kind of how the story is going to end. And and when he was. Uh, 13 years old at a, at a huge tournament. We watched him hit three balls out of bounds in a row, like out of bounds, out of bounds, out of bounds. We watched missing the cut. We watched, we watched cancel hotel reservations and stuff. But that moment prepared us for when he was 18 and hit a ball out of bounds and how he reacted to it differently. So again, that's again, long answer, short question, but I think how we dealt with adversity as a, as a family, once we recognize, Hey, that's a necessary thing, let it happen. If people will focus on that, it's man, it, it teaches some great lessons. And it's so emotional too. You know, emotions play into how you play your sport. Um, I mean, and I played tennis in high school. I wasn't good, but I played. But if you're mad, you know, that is going to that net. You know, you've got to 
you can't worry about what you just did. You got to worry about the next shot that you're mm-hmm. taking. And so, you know, as, as kids learn that and see that it, the matter I get, the worse I play, you know, so, so not letting them get out of control is, is something as a parent that I found, you know, I, I, I try to help him, you know, bring back in, let me get myself back together. And he, he's done a great job of that. He really has. Mm-hmm. And I can see the maturity of kids as they get older. Sure. Sure. Well, but as partners, is this something that you'll discuss with each other that, you know, when that light bulb moment happened about the value of adversity, was it something that happened at the same time for y'all? Or was it something that one of you kind of realized and you had to kind of sit down and say, okay, wait, we need to adjust how we're handling things with our kids? Um. I was, and I'll I'll jump in first. Is is um I'd say it goes back. We're a, we're a um, a strong faith based uh, family, um, and so a lot of that translates as well about you know trials and and adversity you face in life, and the fact that you got to have faith, right? Um, and I think it started with um that that drive home started it when when I asked Britt like, hey, am am I really much? It much is what we we're in South Carolina, right? So if, if somebody in South Carolina says it's kind of much, that means you're a little over the top. So mm-hmm. she's like, I said, am I really that much? And she's like, you're that much. Um, and that I would say that started the dialogue for us because I never knew I was much. It's it's like an alcoholic never knows they're an alcoholic until mm-hmm. they find out they're an alcoholic, right? Um, until Britt was like, hey, you're a little bit much. And then um, we we I think I said, well, are we much, right? Because, you know, we, man, before tournaments, way back when, I say, you know, four or five years ago, we would just be electric. Like we would just, you know, over here and over here kind of thing. And now we're so much more relaxed. So I would say that was kind of a, a moment, I guess, that we realized together. And then from there, we just continued a dialogue about how important. Now it's hard. Even we just, again, we just played state championship uh, Monday, Tuesday. And even in those moments, we, we were riding higher for a little bit and we kind of started down here. She and I kind of, gathered over by ourselves and we had these we were having this dialogue like trains getting off the tracks right here and then we sort of caught ourselves i think and we're like but it's going to be okay um so that probably started i would say yeah everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. and you know you may not see it right now but it will it will it, it's going to end up being just fine um one of the stories that's i mean it's it was the summer that he had finally made it into like the major tournaments and um, we went to one, and it was supposed to be a three-day tournament. But he didn't make the cut. He's devastated. Um, he missed it by just I mean, like one shot. Shot, but like one shot. I mean, you know, it's just heartbreaking. Three and a half hour ride home. Um, wanted to throw his clubs in the lake. You know, I don't even need to play golf again. You know how kids make all those statements, yeah. and that's when I have to t- grab his arm in the car and say, "No, don't say anything. Don't respond to him. You got to let him get it out." Let him say everything he wants to say. Let him get it out. Yeah. And um, so I texted him in the car. He sits behind me um, always. And so I just texted and I said, um, there's a um, some was, kind of a big South Carolina amateur qualifier. Amateur qualifier. You know, here he is. What was he? 17. Yeah. Young. Too young to be playing in that tournament. But we signed him up to play in the qualifier if he didn't get in that tournament. And I said, you can play in the qualifier tomorrow, you know, so, and he, we had been gone every week that summer somewhere, which is another big mistake on our part yeah. is you, you gonna wear yourself out as a family, as a kid, they need to be a kid too. Mm-hmm. And so um, I got up the next morning, I took him there because um, he said, okay, yeah, I'll play. So I took him to the tournament, it's about an hour away um, and we're getting out and you know, let the back up, the car up, and he's getting his gloves out. And he's like, I don't even know where I am, Mom. Like, I don't even know how to check in. And I said, I don't know where we are either. I, I don't know. Like, let me get my calendar out. I don't even know where we are either. So I had to get my calendar out and look and see so he could check in on his phone. Mm-hmm. And um, he ended up, I can't remember what he shot. But he he, shot, he like, shot under part of qualifying. Under, like, had one of the best days he's ever had. And he qualified for the amateur, you know, that men play in. Right. And I was like, look at there. See, yesterday was a terrible day. And today, look what happened. But what if you'd given up? Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't want to hear that. Oh, I wouldn't give up. You know, but anyway, so that's why I am constantly don't respond mm-hmm. to him yet. Let him get it out. Let him say what he's going to say. And then later on, you know, and so I'm the one that goes back and picks and says, 
oh, so you're going to quit golf now, but look, you're not under par. You know, so I make a joke out of it to let him know I heard those words. Um, and now he's careful about things like that that he says. Yeah. But, you know, he doesn't beat himself up like he used to as much. That's good. I mean, it it is a process for sure. And I think, you know, something that's coming across loud and clear talking to the two of you is that you are doing things very differently with him as somebody getting ready to be done with this journey versus how things started. And, you know, understanding um, that how an eight-year-old sees things and responds to things and internalizes things is so very different from how an 18 year old does. And that as the parent, you have to adjust to those things as well, but we're learning too. And sadly, when our kids are eight, we're only eight years into the parenting gig too. (laughs) You know, we don't have the experience either and it's tough. It's really tough. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Have you all had that conversation with either of your children about like, um, gosh, remember when we said this or we did that? That was really bad. <laughs> that was a huge mess up on our end. Yes. I think, again, open family, but we we will tell them like, hey, we got it wrong here because we recognize in, in theory, right? So we're raising them to prepare them for the world and then they're going to have their children. And, and so everything we do impacts not them, it impacts our whole family tree, right? Yeah. So I think it's like, it's it's not just this branch, it's every branch from here on from here on out kind of thing. So so we'll share and, and Britt will do it, like she said earlier, like in a, in a picking fashion. She's like, hey, do you remember when we played at, um, you know, in 2019, we played at such and such tournament and then and, you know, Mark, you thought the world was ending because Ben, you know, hit it out of bounds or something like that. And I'll, you know, we'll, we'll be open and say, like, I got it. I got it wrong there. And that's hard. Right. Yeah. It's I think initially, I think initially in the eight, nine years, like we would never say like, oh, we got it wrong because we're supposed to get it right. We knew we were getting it wrong. We didn't. We didn't we know it until you, you get further along in the journey and the kid makes a comment about something. And, you know, another parent says something to you and you're like, oh, wow. I am much, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, this is, this is not right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's important to admit, it's important to admit mistakes. And I think it gives them permission to fail, right? Mm-hmm. That's, we, we're all about fail and fail fast and fail often kind of thing. And, um, and then learn. Put, yeah. And learn, and learn <laughs> from it. So there, there's, yeah. there's, you know, in, in, you know, the, the, the lesson is like, you, you don't really learn. So, so if Ben goes and plays golf and, and, um, and he shoots 64, you don't learn a lot from that. Right. But, by God, when you shoot 84, you learn something about yourself, about your, your whatever and all these different things. So when we've had a lot of learning opportunities, same thing with tennis, right? You go out mm-hmm. and you just get waxed, you know, you learn something from that and you and you get to take it and sort of build upon yourself. So, yes, I think that the the theme that I'm hearing in my mind kind of just and you brought it up. It's just the communication, how important that is and how we did not do that. It was I would say it was kind of one way um for the longest time because we were saying you're going here do this do this and then he didn't have that voice to come back and then um one of the most powerful things is when when he got his voice he's he's always been able to say what he wanted to say but he didn't know that i think to a degree and i think kids need that kids need to know um that it's okay to be vulnerable kids need to know that it's um it's okay to say i'm uncomfortable with something um you know that equipment cost a ton of money it's tennis rackets and shoes and i don't wear the skirts but you know whatever um but Come on now um, but uh <laughs> but i mean this was this was even you know a year and a half ago or so whatever ben had lights out spring and, and he said i want to switch putters and so we went and you know he had some money and he bought this putter super expensive putter and we knew immediately like hey big mistake right big mistake because his performance just went straight downhill but for i'd say three months um he just battled with that thing. And I think Britt said one day, like, hey, you know, you really putted better when you had that other putter. And it was just like this weight. He was like, ooh. And he exhaled and he said, you know what? He said, I, I didn't want to say anything because we had spent money on that putter and, and I felt bad. He said, I was trying to make it work. He said, but it's been the biggest struggle of mm-hmm. my life trying to make this piece of equipment work. And again, that voice, right? And and we said, like, you know, you can say whatever. So I think, again, voice and communication is key. Letting them know that's probably the one of the best things we can do is, is sports parents is 
letting them know they can, hey, it's okay to, it's okay to fail. It's okay. Your his score, although always, we may not have always acted like this, like his score is not his value. Right. How many matches he wins is not his value to us. And his parents, I think that's where we, I, I'll say, I'll point the finger at me. I think that's where I got it wrong for someone because I portrayed that. Because my attitude was a heck of a lot better when he shot 66 versus when he shot 80. I can tell you that. Um, yeah. And hers too. And like our car rides home and stuff. Sure. And, and, in, and in doing that, we sort of, we sort of convey and portray like, hey, your value kind of fluctuates with your performance. And it can't be that. And I, I will, I'll stand on the, stand on the courtroom steps and say, I got that wrong thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So, um, and I think too, um, one of the, the fun things that we do as a family, <clears throat> and it's, it's in the book too, is we talk about the other parents, not in a bad way, but you know, we tell a story that they've told us while we're staying. I mean, you know, you're there for four and a half hours, five yeah. hours, six hours sometimes. So, there's lots of conversations if, for the parents that want to talk. Mark wants to talk 24-7. Now, I get nervous and I have to go off by myself, but he likes to talk to them. But, so he gets all these stories together. But we start talking about that. And so then Ben can say, well, did you hear what he said to his kid? Like talking about, you know, why in the world did you hit that ball right, right. there? And so that's something like I would never say that now because that bothered him that that child was talked to that way. So now he doesn't want, like, I'll never say that to him. Um, But, you know, you learn from conversations about other people what they really notice while they're out there Mm -hmm. and you see what they notice while they're out there. Um, He and his best friend and our, his parents, when we're, when they play together and we're out there watching, he's like, we're all up in y'all's conversations. We can hear everything y'all are saying about us. We're like, we're not talking about y'all. Yeah, y'all are. Y'all are talking about us. So, you know, just being, you know, tennis match is the same way. It's very quiet. They can hear you. So they can hear what you're saying. And you just, you know, and and, and if a parent is acting in a way that you don't raise your child, talk about that. Like, Mm -hmm. is that something that, you know, they see that you're not doing? And, you know, give yourself a pat on the back for acting with some reverence and (laughs) character. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point is, you know, that as parents, we we do beat ourselves up a lot. And we do need to take that step of, you know, hey, I did okay with that today. I handled this particular moment in my child's life that was very stressful for everyone. I did okay. And give yourself some credit. I think that is really important and something we don't do enough. We're, we're always looking for how we've messed up as opposed to trying to find the ways that We've been successful. Yeah. 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 It is important. So I'm I'm, I'm going to wrap this up a little bit, but okay. I, I, I'm really curious to know what do the two of you and, and Britt, I'm going to start with you. What do you feel is the greatest <clears throat> gift your kids have gotten from their respective sport activity? Um, that is going to serve them into their adult lives? Um, I think that the key thing is that we are never going to get everything we want. We can pray and ask God to give us everything we want, but we're not going to get it. And so um, sports is the same thing. I can pray, I want you to win this and win this and win this, and win this but you're not going to get that. And the earlier you learn that in life, the better it is. But um, for kids who don't participate in a sport or play an instrument or try to draw, I mean, like if you told me I had to draw, I'd have to sit here for hours and hours and hours and draw something in a race and, you know, make mistakes or whatever. But you you learn from those things that hurt you the most. And that's sad to say that, but that's when you learn. You learn a lesson and you build your confidence based on that and understand early. I'm going to have a bad day. I'm not going to be successful at something. I'm not going to get what I want, but it's okay. I'm, I'm going to wake up and my parents still love me, whether they're married or divorced, um, whether I've got step parents, uh, whether I have everybody in the world watching me play my sport or just my mom there or just my dad. I'm still a good person, even though I have had failures. And I think that's something that Sports has taught both of our kids, you're not going to get everything you want every time. There's a reason why you may not ever know what that reason is, 
but you will learn from that. And I think that's, you know, that's key. And I, I love that about a golf, especially that, you know, you, you have those bad days and it's just like life heals balance all the way. All the way. <laughs> love that. Mark? Um, I'd say for me, particularly with golf being an individual sport, just, you know, tennis, um, sometimes we play in pairs, we play in teams, right? Play doubles. Um, but the fact that it's um, like, it's on you. Like you don't have the opportunity to say like, you know, Johnny didn't pass me the ball right, or I was open for a layup and, and you know, Sheila didn't send it to me or whatever kind of thing. Like, and, and I think that the, the, the sport, the individual sport of golf has given him just that self-belief um, and that growth and those, those, those layers that have grown upon layers of, of confidence and belief and, and facing that hill and saying, I can't get over it. And then next time you get to the hill, you get a little bit higher, you get a little bit higher kind of thing. So I think it's just that, that if there's mental growth, there's, there's a growth of character. Um, there's this, there's this thing that I'm the one that has to do it. My parents can't come save me. My coaches can't come save me. Um, and I'd say just as as the individual sports side of the house, that's that's so fun to watch. Um, it's it's not fun to watch them fail, but it's fun to watch them, you know, get right here and next time get right here kind of thing. And then, you know, again, to Britt's point, like there's adversities. Adversity is a key teacher. But I, I think because I, I played sports growing up, too, is that the the sort of the blanket thing that they get from it is the the um, the. the when Ben first started playing um, competitive golf, we went to a we went to a tournament at the, at the beach, and um, we were there with some parents whose kids had been in golf for several years, and they were like, "Hey, John, hey Sally, hey Shirley, hey Rick, man, how's this?" And they talked to fifty people, and Britt and I were like, "Hey, we didn't know anybody." Yeah. But the next year we came back and we knew ten people. The next year we came back, we knew thirty people, and so now the fact when we walk on a golf course, um, Ben's got relationships with kids from. California, from Guam, from New York, from South, like that they, they've created these relationships in this network. And we've created this relationship of a network of parents whereby I know so-and-so's mom just passed away from cancer. And I know I can reach out to them. And I know mm-hmm. that they're going to reach out to me when something happens. So I think that's the blanket thing is, and that's that, again, tennis, cello, golf, whatever is those relationships. And, and that's our last piece of advice to him before he goes, we're like, Hey, enjoy the walk have conversations, you know, make friends. If you don't make friends, learn something about that guy or girl you're playing with. Um, so, yeah. And that's what people, you know, do now with, with life is they go and meet people. And, you know, I taught school. I'm an administrator now, but I taught school and kids were afraid to speak to an adult. And, like, it just makes me have tears in my eyes to watch Ben walk up to a group of people and somebody will stick their hand out and he knows take his hat off shake their hand how are you sir you know he he knows that he knows when he walks in a clubhouse that his shirt tail is going to be tucked in he's just he's just learned that character but to have those conversations with grown people is amazing to me and you just you learned that he learned that from the sport because he had to talk to the people in his group he didn't have a choice parents aren't allowed to talk so um and the same thing with with tennis you talk to your person you sit there on the bench waiting on your next you know next time to go out and you either don't talk or talk, but most of the time you, you make a friend. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just, it's great. It's great for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Well, it's been such a pleasure chatting with y'all. I want to yeah. just give y'all the opportunity to promote your book a little bit, tell people yeah. where they can get it, the price. Um, and we'll have all the links in the show notes on parentingaces.com as well. Perfect. Yeah. So um, I feel like I'm on QVC, right? Yeah. Um, so QVC the, away. You can get the Topaz um, comes with um, with the silver band. Uh, so uh, the drive home, if you just search the drive home on, on, uh, on Amazon, um, it's available Kindle, uh, Kindle and paper book, uh, paperback. Sorry. Um, and um, if, if folks want to get, um, you know, bulk orders, a lot of coaches will say we want, you know, bulk orders and stuff like that. They can, um, we can, we'll include this link as well, but it's uh, Britt and okay. Mark, um, uh, the drive home at, uh, at, at Gmail, uh, at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, so I, I'd say the, the biggest thing about this is if, if anybody that's watching this and says these two folks are crazy, um, which you may say, but. One of the best parts about this is is when we wrote it, we were intentional. We said, hey, we're going to seek advice from people that know. So there's um, like for we're in the southeast. So Dabo Swinney, you know, head football coach at Clemson. 
he's in there. We've got Heisman finalists. We've got pro athletes. We've got parents of um, uh, PGA professionals. We've got um, a former tennis pro. Um, Hernan's, Hernan's in the book. Um, we've got confidence coaches. We've got basketball coaches and football coaches and and athletes themselves. So I say that to say, you know, we ask we ask those folks two questions. Hey, what's what's your best piece of advice for parents of junior athletes, and what's your best piece of advice for the junior athlete? Um, and there's there's roughly forty of those. And if you buy the book and do nothing else but flip to that, um, it'll it'll be worth it because the the the, the stories that they share um, are and it, and it spans all sports. Like you you can you can search and replace golf with tennis or whatever in there. Um, and it's it's life lessons, it's sports lessons. But yeah, so available on Amazon. Um, go pick it up, and you know, would would love to hear from you guys if uh, if we can you know, if we can help with anything at all. So excited excited to do this, and we appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And for the junior tennis coaches out there listening or watching this, um, please buy them in bulk and give them out to the parents of your players. It's going to make your job so much easier, coaches, if your parents read this and understand what their role is in the course of the development of their children as athletes and as humans. I, I just think it's it's a real gift. And I thank the both of you for taking the time and the energy to sit down and actually write it and seek out an editor and a publisher and all those <laughs> things. Cause it's, I mean, it's a process and yep. um, it's a lot of work and, and thank you for doing that and for sharing your stories with, with all of us. Yeah. Thank you. We thank enjoyed you. it. Yeah. To my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.